Hello and welcome to another episode of Out of Character. I am Jupiter Sanders and uh, see I'm nervous because I basically have my <laughs> boss here tonight. So tonight's episode we're going to talk about intellectual properties, making your own game system. And I have Damien Sidlow from Cybernautica and I will disclose that I'm the script editor for Cybernautica so that's why I call him my boss. <laughs> and that's why I'm all nervous and flustered now. But Damien not only does Cybernautica currently, but he's also done the Violent Life podcast as well. And we're also joined by Ozcore, Oz, which we'll call him tonight, Oz with two Z's, not to be confused with our <laughs> other Oz, who's helped uh, write for Shadowrun Anarchy Chicago Chaos. And he also helps to produce and or run live streams for the Shadowcasters network, which I'm sure everybody is familiar with. If you know Shadowrun, you know Shadowcasters network. So welcome, guys. Thank you again for being here. Thanks for having us. This is uh, really cool, actually. We haven't formally got to sit down. I, I, I have formally sat down and spoke about Cybernautica, but we haven't really talked the RPG yet, ever. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, so let's just jump in with both feet here. You're making an RPG, it's Cybernautica, but you started it as an audio drama podcast first. Why do that before make? I mean, most systems, it's let's make the RPG and then let's put the podcast out after. Why the, why'd you do it this way? So I've been a longtime gamer. And uh, and I always wanted to make an RPG, but I've also become an entertainer in recent years. So it seems almost natural. You get a lot of people releasing great games out there right now. Uh, anybody can do it with the amount of time, some, uh, I guess, a lot of patience and, and some know-how. You can eventually release your own game. And then it gets up there and no one really knows where you're coming from. Usually you have to somehow establish a fan base and an understanding of the world that you're looking to create right at point zero, right at your, at your Kickstarter or however else you're going to do it. I thought maybe go the other way with this, establish the world, establish a following for it by releasing a, a very immersive audio drama experience that, uh, that people could kind of eventually look back on and get a feel for the world. But coming into it this we we can kind of roll into an rpg with this thing that has has by its own merit become established already yeah i think it's uh, and i know damien's has expressed this to me before is that as he's doing the audio drama he's even learning more about the world and developing more about it so and it, it opens it up for us to really understand what we're doing. And I think it's going to be the same thing for anybody who's already heard the show to already come in with, come in basically with an advantage that they understand this world in some capacity. I think that's why a lot of RPGs that are based off of a licensed product, like, um, you know, really popular <laughs> licensed products like Star Wars, for example, you know, people just inherently understand it and they flock to it because they know it. No, that's a that's a good point. Before Star Wars was an RPG, it was actually an entertainment product. So absolutely, good point. So you're just going to follow that route. So great. And so Cybernautica, um, we were talking about this before we started recording. Cybernautica officially released episode one, January 25th of 2019. So you are fast approaching one year of the audio drama being out. Yeah, it's it's been a a crazy ride. We we just kind of I ended up jumping into the audio drama probably a little earlier than I was originally going to. I was always going to do it, but it was kind of pushed ahead when I was taking a uh, podcasting masterclass, 
and and part of the master class was launching a show so i was like okay time to time to push this thing into gear and it allowed me it was weird too by doing that master class it allowed me to kind of create and formulate i guess some of the ideas of what i wanted cybernautica to be conceptually as well you know and then those feelings of being like one of i think one of the ways i, I put it is i wanted a listener and and eventually a uh, and someone who will pick this up as a as a gaming product to kind of feel like you like the city is alive and the city is so much bigger than you as an individual and you are but a small dot at the base of an obelisk but you you know you've you've spray painted on the side of that obelisk and you won't be forgotten even though you won't push it over and what episode are we up to now i want to say six but i could be off we are up to 6.5 is released now. We we generally release the show in an episodic kind of way or a serial way with one large episode. And then we follow it up with a mini-sode, usually a kind of like a scene that didn't quite fit or maybe some other small story I want to kind of kind of get over or tell that kind of fleshes out the world a little bit in, a, in an interesting way. It does. Each episode does help to expand the world a little bit more. You learn just a little bit, like maybe a new area of it or a new element of how it functions. So each episode does help to kind of spoon feed the listener the world as it goes. It, it unfolds for them. Thinking about listeners, maybe maybe I should tell your listeners what it what it's about, just in generally. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before we get too far, uh, <laughs> essentially, Cybernautica is a uh, is a high action kind of kind of a cyberpunk deco. We take a lot of aesthetics from the, some some cool architecture things from the deco period, like Blade Runner stuff, Transistor, uh, Bioshock, and we mix that with the cyberpunk aesthetic to to create this inter interesting, I or I hope interesting, kind of different take on what we kind of perceive as, as cyberpunk stuff. And we kind of throw that against the backdrop of a large city that was created by a corporation. And, we, you know, we push that through through a timeline, through its own timeline, and come up with its own sprawl and the relationship of the, the characters that are in it. You know, they kind of end up forming organically as people against the system, but, but under that system, really. You know, just some of those themes are typically cyberpunk, but we try to do it in a little bit of a different way. I, I adore the the cyberpunk genre myself. And this is, you get that feel of, it is a, a class system. You get that feel that there are the haves and the have-nots, that corpse are running things, that it's very materialistic. But it's it's also, the setting to me is, is very, in its dark bleakness, it's still very beautiful. Yeah, we try to go that way and go the, the high-tech, low-life feeling. Just a little bit more so people really understand that this audio drama and, and what it is. It's the story of Johnny. Yeah, the first season story of Johnny, who, who I kind of took it from the idea of she is like your she, she's a very competent mercenary working in this in this world for the underworld factions, making her way and making her name. And she's a very, you know, get into it, get into a scrap and come out the other side kind of character. Uh, and she's dogged and followed around by two up and coming mercs who are much less competent than she is. And she's just trying to kind of make making her way in the world. And she get, kind of gets wrapped up into uh, into something that's a little bit bigger than she expected it to be and ends up kind of stirring the pot in uh, and, and, and kind of uh, waking the dragon in a way. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. So you've built the world. You've got an idea for the world. We, we've had over half a dozen episodes, mini episodes out for the world. You've now started working on the actual RPG, correct? Yeah. Yeah. We've uh, got Oz. We, we, how long have we been working on the RPG now? 
Uh, but I mean, like, so I think we really started our talk, I think even maybe before the first episode released. Yeah. I think so. And then since then, it's been a lot of like, all right, drawing board time. All right, drawing board time. And um, so like I, I work a nine to six job. So it can be very hard sometimes to sit down and, and focus. But I mean, a lot of the time I'll just like while I'm driving home, I, I find my mind kind of wandering and I'm like, I really want to hone this particular particular thing that I'm thinking about. And so it's been, it's been, I wouldn't say, I mean, it's, it's on and off, but not irregular on and off. It's more like, you know, uh, we're all, it's always developing. It's always growing. So as you're handling basically the, the mechanical balancing of the game where Damien is focusing more on the world and the flavor and the, the overall concepts, but you're doing the more granular mechanical in the muck, as it were, portions. Uh, or is it both I, of you? It's both of us. Yeah. Like I, I think we, we both come to each other with an idea and like, we'll just kind of go, we'll do an essay over discord. Like, Hey, I'm going to petition for this concept. Tell me what you think. Or I want to dismantle this long held RPG concept. Uh, and what if we do it this way? And so we'll kind of like discuss like on my lunch break or something like that. And, and yeah, so no, we're, we're handling it together, but obviously he's more well-versed in the world and I'm, I'm, I know that I've come at Damien with like some pretty weird concepts of like, maybe we shouldn't do certain things like have attributes. And Damien was like, uh, what? And then when we, when you talk about it, we're like, yeah, f- screw attributes. Those are stupid. And, uh, yeah, it's like we have, we have all kinds of different conversations like that. So it's, it's, it's a collaborative process. Yeah, I generally come at him as the no guy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't met that I guy. say no too. I say no too. I, I usually <laughs> say no when Damien is like, no, it, things have to be this way. <laughs> like, because that's that's how things are held in, or that's how things are done. Yeah, I think we're <laughs> constantly challenging each other on our ideas though. And I think that's 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 a major thing where, where we, we've got a really open, uh, positive kind of communication. But like, if there's something that we see threads hanging from it or doesn't feel quite right, we're not afraid to say, you know, that I don't think that's, that's something that's working. And then, yeah, no, we work really well together for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, you know, we, I think our design philosophies have probably gelled a lot after, after shatter and anarchy, after we both experience that system, which basically mm-hmm. pulled shatter. I mean, you know, shatter and shatter and super crunchy mm-hmm. and then shatter and anarchy oh, yeah. came out and it like, it wasn't super narrative the way that it wanted to be or builds itself as, but it really mm-hmm. scaled back a lot. And I think that really opened up my eyes and, and, and Damien's eyes of like, you know, this, this game is still functional. The story and this world can still be told. So let's make sure that whatever we do, our system is simple. It's a clean, intuitive, elegant system that you don't have to reference constantly and gets in the way of the story. And that being having to like pare it back so much it's it takes a lot of discussion and figuring out like okay all of these long-held traditions of tabletop rpgs that have come from like the 80s you know what needs to go already yeah i mean it's not it's a wonderful approach and it sounds great and it's making me wanting to know like well what's it gonna be then What are you doing then? What I mean, what is how is it going to work? How much are you guys willing to share right now on do I get to know is it D6s? Is it D20? 
Yeah, what, we can what, share that. What, it's gonna it's going to be a, yeah, we decided on a D10 system. And actually, it's funny, oh. our, our, yeah, so it's going to be sort of like hand, fistful of D10s, basically, kind of like, kind of like Vampire the Masquerade. I know that they use that same kind of, same kind of system. But I remember when I was talking with Damien, like my first pitch was like, let's use D4s, just lots of D4s because they're <laughs> triangular and that's really art deco. <laughs> and it was like, I hate rolling D4s. They're so awful. Nobody likes rolling those. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But we didn't want to, I didn't want to go D6 because I'm like, eh, this, this just aesthetically to me doesn't feel right mm-hmm. so then we and then d8s are pretty uncommon to cap to get d12s are pretty uncommon so d10s were the most mm-hmm. were the second most common dice to get so we're like all right let's make a d10 system mm-hmm. you guys didn't want to do proprietary dice i i know there's there's some debate on game systems you know some people say oh that's terrible when they do that some people mm-hmm. say no it's kind of nice it suits the game it fits the game yeah no we w- definitely want to stay away from that because again we wanted to make the game as accessible as possible and not make it i mean already it's hard as an indie rpg to to get to even get picked up to read to be read much less to be brought to the table so Mm -hmm. the less already like we knew that the d10 system was probably already going to be its own gatekeeper in a way Mm -hmm. i mean people have d10s and you can get d10s pretty easily on amazon but like you know it's like adding more um like specific dice it's not really smart for it's a it's a barrier it's going to be a barrier that is is unnecessary for what you're doing Mm -hmm. okay yeah and one of the practical things with with the dice that we are thinking of and we're trying to swing this so i mean many things might change but um we're kind of trying to keep the dice pools you know lower like ideally around like around five dice is what we've kind of kind of pitching so 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 that you can kind of like have you can buy one of those you know dice sets of 10 10 d10 and you've got like a gm and a player or two players right there right like so what else i i mean oz had mentioned you know getting rid of these mainstays that have been in the gaming system since the 80s all right uh, that, that was actually what else do you want to remember Okay. And it kind of leads into that. So you reminded me. Uh Um, You're welcome. (laughs) So we kind of mentioned like, like dice pools and we kind of mentioned, we dropped like the name of like a vampire, the masquerade, but our system is very much not like a white wolf or a shadow run, like skill plus attributes kind of situation. We kind of wanted to get away from that old uh, thing. So we have different ways of forming a dice pool and that we're still figuring everything out again. And we'll explain why we're still figuring some of that stuff out in a, in a little bit, I imagine. Do, do you want to talk a, a little bit about the uh, about the the ideas behind yeah. attributes and skills that we kind of? Sure. I mean, we so it took us a long time to figure out how to build dice pools without defaulting to the generic this plus that this number plus that number in at least in the statistical way so like you know okay you have this much in strength and this much in sword fighting slap those together and that's how many dice you roll rather than doing that we i mean one of our core tenets that we started with was to or rather one of the one of the questions that got brought up pretty early was you know do we need attributes yes of course (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, uh, games don't really need attributes. A sys- any tabletop RPG, and and we know this from having played Misspent Youth or uh, or Fiasco or anything like that. Like, if you have just a general concept of a character, you don't need numbers tied to arbitrary words that 
describe an umbrella of things that your character would be good at. So for example, you know, you have a five in charisma, suddenly you're charismatic across the board in everything, or you're more suited for talking. Whereas, so, so essentially we felt that attributes could be very limiting to us and so we decided let's just scrap attributes. And what's really important is, and, the, and also another reason that we wanted to scrap attributes was because, probably also because of just the thematic of cyberpunk, where you are an individual and what you are good at is not necessarily what's God given to you. You can buy a bunch of attachments to your body. You can enhance yourself. And also, yeah, you can learn, you can adapt like one of the things also that we that we wanted to talk about there was um was you know if you are disabled you find a new normal and you can still be good at certain things and uh, we were talking before the show Damien brought up the example of like painting with your feet you shouldn't have an inherent negative because you paint with your feet that's your normal um, and if you have a piece of cyberware that paints for you that might paint that might uh, either take your inherent ability to paint your good ability to paint and enhance it even further to superhuman levels or take an ability in painting that you never had and put it at a normal level of someone who's had some practice with painting. So we just felt like it's attributes can be very inaccurate. You know, as a mm-hmm. human being, you are not a set of numbers assigned to words and it just doesn't, it didn't feel right. It's Instead, it's about what can you do and in what circumstances are you especially good at it? And that's how we build our dice pools. And I don't want to get into the specifics of all that mm-hmm. because I think we, we have it down pat right now in a very unique and interesting way. Good. It's It does sound very interesting. Um, and I do agree. I do find that attributes and just say, no, these are your numbers. This is what it does is very limiting and and it kind of pigeonholes you and and is a bit restrictive. So looking forward to this, this is going to be fun. So we we mentioned the things you want to get rid of that are the tried and true traditional aspects. Let's tear those down and do something different. What about some mechanics that have come out in some new games? Have have any new games inspired you? with any fresh ideas from their mechanics that they've introduced? Oh, God, yes. Uh, yeah, I guess this is where we can definitely uh, give the almost kind of uh, in this in this modern day of gaming, everybody kind of tips a, a hat to Powered by the Apocalypse. I know uh, my friend Rob uh, Bamps, as he's known in kind of Shadowrun circles, introduced me early on to uh, Blades in the Dark, and there were some things that I thought Blades did fantastically, did did mm-hmm. did amazingly well. We took a lot of inspiration, I think, from the the Forged in the Dark some of those concepts like is there anything better than their inventory system <laughs> no. no there no. is not <laughs> no it is pretty it is very streamlined and i do like it the flashback mechanic is different i'm on the fence as to whether or not i like it or not but it is different and i think it's a fun mechanic i have to agree with you i'm not sure how i like i like it in one concept i don't like it in the other concept of i guess the stress expenditure is probably Mm -hmm. where i'm like "Mm, i don't like that i can't use my special character abilities because i might not take damage because instead i want to spend it on a flashback i don't know there's but i like the i like the idea in concept i think conceptually you know your characters are just better than you are as a player and so being able to like 
use the flashback as a as a bull way of like oh yeah no i totally prepared for this because my character is smart uh <laughs> I, seen that. I think that's that's really important i think mm -hmm. it gives the gives the, the game even more realism as a result and we're kind of wrestling around with some ways to to implement something similar i think right now it's one of our prime things that we're kind of tossed back and forth and trying to get it right is the idea we know in things in, in, in cybernautica one of the general principles that we have is that we want to make it just as easy for you to play a bartender as it is to make to play some ass kicking merc part of if you decide to kind of go in that like kind of a high crime direction with with our game um you know part of that is always going to be that the legwork thing is always going to come up, which leads to, you know, uh, analysis paralysis at the table. People not knowing what to do or just, you know, two and a half hours of of uh, planning that doesn't survive the mm -hmm. impact with the situation. Mm -hmm. so, and finding elegant ways to kind of make that so that it, it matters, but mm -hmm. not, you know, doesn't take everybody's evening up. Yes, because mm -hmm. that, that does, that can bog down a game. So if you can find a way to help streamline that a bit. Now, you did mention something interesting when you made that statement, Damien, and it was if you decide to go the high crime route. Yeah. What routes can people go with Cybernautica? Well, ideally, we wanted to, uh, in the in the concept, the same principle that I, I'm applying to the to the show, where the city is its own character and we're we're more concerned with the life of the people in the city than than we are necessarily with what they do um there are a lot of things what like when we started pulling original inspirations for i guess some of the some of the kind of games that you can uh, that you can that you can play and it, this goes back to some of my own history in uh running actual plays like i have a ridiculous actual play that oz is a, a player in it's on a decline at this point but uh tales from the stuffer shack it was is two variety store clerks, right? If, if you want to play in this world, like a a red strings, what's that? What's that game called again? Oz red uh, red strings club. Red strings club. We want to kind of enable that kind of gameplay, like where if you want to just if your if your table decides they want to play kind of the other side of things, play with the more more of the intrigue of the world. We want to enable that kind of thing. If if your table wants to be like the high high flying uh getting punched in the teeth kind of kind of campaign then then you can do that too we want to enable the players to tell any story that they want to tell in cybernautica i know you mentioned red strings club i know you had said that red strings club had i don't remember if this is like correct or not did red strings club actually like inspire you to do cybernautica or am i like misremembering that there, there were a couple things that inspired me to do this in the first place and that was indeed one of them i i thought it was really cool and uh romantic in a way the way mm -hmm. that it kind of handled its world and i i liked that it brought me back to uh as an old school shadowrun player it, it brought me back to the roots of the the kind of grittiness and uh in a way the intimacy with the world that we used to have in in a game like that that i feel mm -hmm. is gone now in a lot of ways. So I felt that that was a very kind of intimate look at a cyberpunk kind of situation in a setting. And I wanted to be able to do something like that. But yeah, that was definitely one of uh, one of many things. I, I also just had certain weird scenes in my head that, uh, <laughs> that like I wanted to, to do a uh, originally it kind of did come from the fact that I wanted to do like a Starfinder actual play back in the days. And uh, I had some cool ideas and then I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to do the space thing and I don't really want to use their system or their world. And maybe I should just kind of make my own world and 
make some of these cool things a reality there. All right. So that leads me to another question. When you're talking about you have these scenes and you, you want to do these cool scenes and, and you've done some really great action scenes in Cybernautica in the in the audio drama. Us, when Damien has his, the characters do all these great, wonderful, cinematic action moves, Mm-hmm. You now are responsible for making sure that I, as a player, when I listen to this and I go, oh, I want to do stuff like that. You've got to make it mechanically possible now. Mm-hmm. Is that, the, is. do you kind of, ta- do you kind of like tamper him down and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's think no. about this. Oh, you just, no, you'd no, let no. him go and you're like, I'll find a way. I, I would love if the action at my table mirrored the pacing and the high mm-hmm. intensity of that of the audio drama. And mm-hmm. I think that's how I like, you know what? This actually brings up another thing that we spoke about really early on with Damien that, together. We, one of our other core tenets was action should not take two hours to resolve. You know, things are quick in combat. Just sometimes games place a lot of uh, priority on combat because there's like this weird idea that because you can die in combat, you need to be as granular and, and, and as possible to ensure that if you die, you definitely died, right? But then that comes at a huge cost of the of pacing and cinematics and just really f- and and feeling like you're constantly keeping an eye out for an opportunity for you to jump in rather than basically like okay I went now let me wait 15 minutes for my turn to come back if it mm-hmm. even comes back so so yeah it was definitely very important and we wanted to make it so not just that combat was fast but that combat would resolve in much, sometimes even the same way as regular roles to, I don't know, hack something. Just the idea that combat needs to be long and drawn out, I think is unnecessary. I think it is better to roll fewer dice and assign a story to the results of those dice rather than, you know, do the nitty gritty of like, this mm-hmm. is how many HP I've lost, which is another, you know, arbitrary concept and like, and see like how, how much, how much damage have I taken? How much damage did my weapon deal? Um, I mean, all of those things have to have its own system or have to have have to be systemized in some way, but maybe not as granular as we've been led to believe through so many years of of tabletop of playing yeah we've we've been told this is how it is when you play a when you play an rpg combat grinds everything to a halt let's spend Mm -hmm. an hour or two in this combat now it's it does kind of kill a game (laughs) it does it does and i actually this really came into into light for me with um one of our people on shadowcasters network cassie polehammer she told me we were at gen con like two years ago and she mentioned that when she goes into combat in rpgs her eyes just glaze over and she's done she can't deal with it if it lasts longer than 15 minutes she's already done and having that one person confirm something to me in a very overt way, right? Like I've always just put up with it because I've assumed that this is how it goes. But like having someone be overt about like this bothers me then started making me think like this bothers me too, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I want to focus on telling my story and building my character alongside a bunch of other people that are doing the same. And combat is just, it just feels like a way to, you know, have less story at the table in general. 
Yeah. And like one of the things like like Oz is very like when we first started tackling the idea of combat in Cybernautica, uh, Oz uh, in our very earliest things uh, came to me breaking down the fight scene in uh, what's what's that? Uh, I did like a bunch of action movies. I went through I went through Kill Bill. Um, like I did the I did the Gogo ver- the Gogo Yubari versus the mm-hmm. Bride fight. Yeah. I broke that down into like into beats. I broke down the Kingsman uh, church fight scene. I broke down the Guardians of the Galaxy scene. The one the fight scene where everybody was like trying like they first all fight each other trying to like mm-hmm. get that um yeah crystal the orb yeah 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 the orb. So like I broke all of those down because I wanted to see you know what's it like you know one v one. What's it like when four people are attacking each other or what's it like when one person is in the middle of a giant fight where a bunch of people are fighting each other uh, like a big brawl. And so by breaking all of that down like beat by beat, I realized like this would take sixty or seventy rolls to like in a standard RPG to actually like accomplish and why when these scenes take two minutes and they're so Mm -hmm. awesome and fun so that's that's been a that's been a fun design challenge to overcome and i think we're there we're gonna play test we're gonna play test it but i think that that is our goal our goal is a a fight should not take longer than 15 minutes to describe and resolve it's before we can move on to the next you know problem yeah mm-hmm. and, and i and i mean one of the, like the cool things about that is is like when we say that we're trying to reduce fights we're not trying to boil fights down to one role or whatever our mm-hmm. idea is that we you know when you're when you're dropping those dice in the fight you, you want to know what's what's next what's next and what's that like and you keep those beats mm-hmm. rolling like like we shouldn't be sitting uh nitpicking over over uh you know three points of damage we want to be moving on to the next blow to the next hit and, and making that visceral making that interesting and keeping all players simultaneously engaged mm-hmm. rather than somebody waiting for their initiative to come come around again oh, that, yeah. that sounds great too so you mentioned play testing are we at that point how how long before we are play testing Oh God! <laughs> uh, we're 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 still in uh, internals uh, right now. We've got a small playtest group that we every few months we roll a new you know a new take on what we're doing and and get kind of their feedback on it. And so really, and it kind of boils down to one of our other philosophies of not rushing anything. Just when we feel when we feel ready, when we feel right about it. Okay. That said, though, our internal playtest group, even from the very first concept, uh, they've really, really enjoyed what we've been doing. And like, I know that like one of them was Cassie, who was like, I hate combats this long that are this long. You know, she's already like, oh, yeah, no, I'm totally about the system. So already that that gives us a lot of promise. And the other one's my my husband, who also happens to be a very harsh critic. Um, <laughs> he will not mince words with me if he doesn't like something. And he's he's loving it. So that that's given me a lot of confidence that we're going down the right the right route and it's important for us to make sure that we take what we have and make sure it is crystal clear and perfect it's a good foundation for us to build off of before we um let people rip it apart (laughs) yeah but you do plan on on opening it up because i mean if you keep the same Mm -hmm. play testers that you know they kind of i i'm for lack of a better word they're going to get desensitized or yeah maybe just not see it because they're too close so it is mm-hmm. important, right, to yep. open it up to a fresh group and go, okay, now you guys play it, and what does it look like from your perspective? Exactly. And, and I plan on doing kind of a closed but very diverse 
mm-hmm. uh, play testing process where I, where I want to give it to some experienced, like some very experienced gamers. I mm-hmm. want to give it to some people who are not all that experienced mm-hmm. and, and just see what, what I'm going to get back from people that way uh, before, mm-hmm. before we, before we settle and, and pat ourselves on the back for things too much, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think we're close I think we're close. It's just we every time that we've finished a playtest, the a lot of our concepts get reworked into something even better. Mm-hmm. And and it's not like little sliders, right, that we move around and it's like, okay, I think this is where it needs to be. No, like we just like totally overhaul a core concept into something that's just even cleaner. And because of that, there's always that worry that maybe this thing that we think is clean isn't actually as clean as as we'd like or as we envisioned but by doing this then it changes a bunch of other things so we have to like every time that we overhaul the system it takes us a few months really to write down the next you know we we like we start the the next or we start the rule sheet from scratch again and we very seldom copy paste from mm-hmm. the old from the old um, playtest document because we want to make sure that like every sentence that we write has a purpose that is about the new concept that we've introduced or that we've overhauled. We really care a lot about like what did you feel shitty? Did you feel useless in a situation? Did you feel like mm-hmm. uh, the the system is working against you? We don't we don't want to carry over you know those flaws into the next playtest mm-hmm. at all. Great, no that. That sounds wonderful. I'm sure we'll have a lot of people. Um, if you are ever in need, I'm sure we can find plenty of people on this server that would love to do it. So let's let's so let's talk about the the challenges that you've you've had. What do you what do you wish? What were some missteps that you were like, ah, oh, if only we knew, we wouldn't have made that mistake. Because I'm thinking of other people that maybe have an idea rattling around in their head, and maybe they're going to start developing their system or their game. What are some things that you guys, you know, missteps made and you're like, ah, if only I knew this, I wouldn't have done that. Any? That's a little challenging. No mistakes? Well, I think everything that we've done is a mistake. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, but but really in the way that we kind of didn't, the only mistake that I I think that I I really regret is is, is just not, even though I'm very about not rushing this thing, maybe not going as, you know, maybe trying to go a little bit, a little bit faster on it near the beginning and and, and keep up steam. Uh, Again, it's really hard with that, with like Oz was saying earlier, the the nine to five job situation. Mm -hmm. Plus I myself am, am running this crazy podcast that takes a lot of evenings mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know I've had to try to find a somehow find a work-life balance that way to also get time to develop this game but the way that we're kind of developing it is we don't we don't stick to things like we don't hold our our guns or, or, or really like put our put our feet too deeply into the ground with anything so since everything's on a on a proverbial whiteboard anyway that you can w- kind of wash off, the mistakes kind of compound into this into this working rolling process. So I think if you kind of approach things in that positive way and are willing to bend and willing to kind of talk things out, it's hard to truly make real mistakes. No, the real mistakes are going to come later on. The real mistakes are going to come well when we start hitting the the area of time where we're searching out vendors, searching out the proper way to turn this pro turn this game into a product. And that is going to be the, the the stumbling point. And fortunately enough, I've got a support system with with some with some people who have also are launching or have launched games to, mm-hmm. to kind of kind of 
fall back on them and, and, and kind of use some of their experience to try to catch ourselves. But I think that that's where the real mistakes are going to happen. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had an opportunity, I think, to like, just be very organic with how we've grown. And because we're so, because I've always been very much about, um, no, we're not designing ahead to building weapons. Like as much as we want to build weapons right now and gadgets and cybernetics, uh, I got this cool thing. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Write it down on a concept sheet, but we're not assigning any game mechanics to it yet because, again, it's it's all about that core, right? And the core is where everything grows from. And so as long as you keep molding that core into something that's just like exact, it fits the design goal and philosophy of, um, of you know, being intuitive, being elegant, respecting people's time, especially the GM who is taking the time to bring this to the table, bringing all these people together and learning this world and conveying it to them like help the gm most of all tell the story all of those and and also help the players just show up at a table and have fun so we have to because of that and because of how we've been slow and methodical but also like it's not like we just like slow but always thinking about it and always thinking what is the thing that's bothering me right now and how do i make this better and you know sometimes it just kind of comes to you in the drive home or in the shower or wherever while you're eating and then you know, bring it up and we talk and we work it out. So there haven't mm-hmm. really been any mis- design mistakes. I think there's been obviously things that we've tossed and that we've chucked, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't call them mistakes so much as just things that weren't working and mm-hmm. that paved the way for a different way of looking at things. No, that's, that's wonderful. So what I'm hearing is because you guys are taking your time and you're actually challenging past systems and what we've been taught as gamers to oh no you have to have attributes you have to have this you 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 roll this plus this and that's how you get this because you guys are actually challenging those concepts that have been long held and traditional mm-hmm. and and you're willing to to challenge that and and look at it from a new way and say is this really what's needed and necessary is it what we want for our game i think that's good so i think people that are are wanting to do that they do kind of have to really take a hard look at their system and say, you know, is it just a a carbon copy of past ones or are they really trying to create something new? And it seems like you guys are really trying to create something new because of your love of, of RPGs. Yeah. I think that if you're going to, honestly, I think that if you're, you're not willing to, to kind of push that envelope and even push your own comfort levels. Cause like when Oz first came to me about like no attributes, I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) We're in a, we're, we're doing a cyberpunk (laughs) game. Uh, And then kind of that breaking that down in myself and, and learning what one of the key tenets and one of the key, like attractive things about cyberpunk is cyberpunk is adaptability. It's the Mm -hmm. doing what you need to do to, to, to adapt to something. And if you know, there's nothing adaptive about attributes. No. And and not even just all that. You know, we're at a point now where in in our design process where I would feel comfortable making it a system that other creators can take from and develop their own systems. Like we could call it like its own powered by the apocalypse. Like it's like we could call it a cybernaut system in my opinion. I think it takes concepts from powered by the apocalypse just like forged like forged in the dark blades in the dark all of those took concepts mm-hmm. from powered by the apocalypse but made it's made it its own and i think we're at a point now where i feel really confident about it in saying that this could be i mean i found out recently powered by the apocalypse is actually 10 years old 
Mm-hmm. It's about to, or almost about to be. And so I almost feel like now is the time for us to see what else there is to like move forward. Right. And set the next, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to overblow it because I don't want to overhype it, <laughs> but I feel confident enough to say like, I think this is a system that people can take and, and use themselves because designers, if you're not willing to, to change the rules, right. And mm-hmm. you want to build inside of a system, you're absolutely free to do that. You just have to make sure that that system works for what, for you and what you want to do. And, and you can use that, you can use powered by the apocalypse, uh, for that. You could also potentially use ours, I think. So is is that possibly something long-term in the future that maybe we take the core system and let's make a new setting? I, I think that it's without a mm-hmm. doubt going to happen. Not only are we are we both of the same opinion that, and it's becoming a very much wider opinion. It's almost like, feels like if you are making something that you really do think that stands on its own legs system wise you know make it make it available it may, make people make it available for people to be able to make their own thing from because the truth is legally you know there's no way to copyright mechanics anyway mm-hmm. so so why not enable people in this hobby in this craft in the, in this in this industry to to use your thing come up with their own things and then ourselves you know once we're finished with Cybernautica, it, it, we could go on to, to doing j- just about anything else with this system. Because if you make a system where you can play a bartender or a getting punched in the face merc, <laughs> your system can do anything. Yeah, I think it's really important to open source new systems because not only does it get your system more eyeballs, I mean, uh, there's obviously the the marketing, you know, boon of like, oh, this is the originator, see what's mm-hmm. going on here. Um, but also by people using your system and designing from it, they're also paying attention to things that maybe actually don't work or like things that you wouldn't have picked up had you just played the system on its own and said, eh, this doesn't really work for this. But maybe if I was to adjust this slider over here and whatever, then this is this works better for me. So I don't know. I think there's I think there's a lot of um, I see a lot of people in the RPG design Reddit, for example. They're always bringing up stuff like Powered in the Apocalypse and, and Blades in the Dark because it's a system that works that it's easy to adapt to. And um, you know, I think uh, it's 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 gotten to a point now where like just that design, the functionality of of those games designs are second nature to a lot of the people there. Like they know exactly what the tenets of it are and how to build from it. So I don't know. I think just open up the vocabulary, open up the cons- the conceptual uh, possibilities for for designers and, you know, like just put it out there and see what, um, see what gets said about it. And obviously the more that the name gets tossed around, the more that people are going to be interested in looking at the originator. Well, yeah. And, and Damien's done a lot to promote the podcast. I know you entered it in... What was those podcast awards? The uh, Audioverse Awards? Yes, the Audioverse Awards. And so, I mean, it, it got a lot of exposure there. And you're going to go to some convention here as well to promote? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we're, I, I plan on being at a podcast movement Dallas in uh, in August. We've been fortunate enough to get to get a, a good enough fan following that we are top 100 science fiction uh, Apple podcast at this point. Like so, like mm. we're constantly hovering around the 50 50 mark there. Mm-hmm. I don't put a lot of stock in like in in ratings and that kind of stuff, but I do feel mm-hmm. incredibly fortunate that we've got people who love this thing so far. So mm-hmm. I, no, I, we do. Yeah, I look forward to kind of kind of being able to 
get this RPG out there and and get people into uh, a system that, that is going to kind of like uh, let them, you know, dance their own dance and forge their own path among like the factions and and, and the world of of uh, Arcadia and Cybernautica. And and speaking of getting it out there, you want to ballpark it for us? Are we going to see it by the two year anniversary? Oh, when when it's going to go out there? Yeah. Um, it is a major major goal to see uh, mm-hmm. that it that it is going through, and I don't want to make any crazy promises, but I think this is relaxed enough of a promise to make sure that it is seeing mm-hmm. that um, seeing significant strides in open beta before definitely before the end of this year. Uh, I want to kind of see be in the process of securing. Um, vendors and that kind of stuff and doing actual preliminary layout because in this day and age when you launch a kickstarter for a game you want to make sure you're launching with with uh with some sort of thing that people can get their hands on so Mm -hmm. i want to be making moves in the actual uh in actually making sure that we've we've, we're kind of getting our the, the the actual product in into motion by the end of the year great which is uh, a big thing, especially since we're coming to the end of this season of Cybernautica and going to be gearing mm-hmm. up for season two, which will uh, be its own story. You know, in a way, the story of Johnny kind of uh, wraps up, at least for now, uh, at the end of this season. So great. So I, I guess what I'm hearing is even even though you guys are working full time jobs, you have lives spouses outside of, of work as well you have to have work-life balance but you're still dedicating yourselves to to this project putting in the long hours and I, it sounds like you guys even though it does take a lot of time and it may cut into other areas of your life you guys still love it and you really believe in the project so um, I'm excited to see it come out and I look forward to it uh, I think you guys have discussed a lot of of great changes that or not changes, but just things you're going to do differently in this system. That's, that's just going to make it more playable. And um, I think everybody listening is also going to be really excited. Damien, if you can send me um, the links for the Cybernautica audio drama podcast, I'll be sure to include it. Absolutely. Also, you guys have a discord for Cybernautica. If people are interested, they can definitely get over there and, and uh, be part of the conversation there. If you can send me a link to that. Will do, yeah. It's mostly about the uh, the audio drama at this point, and uh, mm-hmm. and but but the cool thing is that I've I've really kind of left the gates open, and I'm happy to discuss the world and and mm-hmm. all the cool stuff going on in it with people. Yeah. So, no, it'd be great to have people over there. I know I've gotten a few people that I know personally to start listening to it, and they are enjoying it as well. So I do encourage people, and this is not because it's my boss here, and I have to pitch. I, I do encourage you to listen. I enjoy I enjoy listening to the episodes even after I've read them because, you know, in my brain, the movie went one way, but now I listen to it. I'm like, oh, look, that's how it went his way. Okay. <laughs> Boss, come on. We're all, we're, we're, I think that's a great thing about the way we're doing all of this from the audio mm-hmm. drama to uh, creating the RPG. We're kind of uh, just coming in as a team and, and trying to make something that's really cool and that we can, that we can enjoy. Because no one's getting yeah. rich off of any of this, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not about that. But it is it is a, a wonderful world that you've built, and it's going to be great to see the system come out. And again, I, I want to thank the both of you for, for spending the hour with me talking about it. And I'm sure if I get any questions from people, I will forward them along to you, and we'll 
kind of get those answered for them as well. Any last thoughts you guys want to say before we we go? Just uh, a small one. And the Uh fact that I've made a few silly New Year's resolutions to put more pressure (laughs) into my life. Uh, And one of them is to get a Cybernautica uh, newsletter up and going, uh, a monthly newsletter. So that newsletter will include a lot of things about the audio drama, obviously, but occasionally some small updates on on progress and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you follow our Twitter, definitely be cut in on uh, when that newsletter is going live. And and if you think this is a cool thing, definitely that'll be your best way to keep up to date on everything. Boz? But if you want to check out our actual plays, we have a whole archive of them on YouTube. So you can just go to youtube.com slash Shadowcasters Network. And we have so many episodes of content uh, in so many different RPGs. We've done Shadow and Anarchy, Misspent Youth, The Sprawl. And yeah, we're now we're starting Leverage. So and so many other systems. Uh, Game of Thrones is on there. Yeah. So enjoy. Wow. You guys are yeah. way too busy. I'm tired of yeah. listening to everything you do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm in, I'm in a two little podcast and I just started this one and I'm like, ugh, I'm busy. And now I listen to you guys and I'm like, I'm the laziest person here. So, <laughs> you know what though? It's okay. I, I was in the middle listening to a podcast on time management today, actually. And I'm like, oh my God, uh, what am I doing? I'm, I'm just overworking <laughs> myself. I don't have enough time for things. <laughs> Hey, I guess that's our mistake, right? Like, <laughs> like, like, just overbooking yeah. our time. Like, both Oz and and I and other people we work with, it's like we all want to be involved in all the cool things, and mm-hmm. so it's like, man, you gotta you gotta cut some time for yourself, or or you go mm-hmm. crazy and burn out. Oh, definitely, definitely, you gotta make sure you do that. All right, I'm gonna let you guys go. It is late, and thank you once again. I really do appreciate it. And I do really look forward to seeing the system come out because you guys got me excited for it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. 